keep going. I'm the Lord of Texas heat. Mm. I will make your energy build sky high. <laughs> you will see them and start to cry. Especially since you just quit your longtime job at a parish where you were making bang. <laughs> <laughs> Joe has unlimited because I, I I'm like you know when I'm at when, when I'm doing my time over at the old Notre Dame uh, Notre time Dame. has no meaning so um, I know it's today was Thursday the day that he edits <laughs> so, so we gotta be quick and we gotta be on target this poor guy this poor guy <laughs> this poor guy we gotta agree to a simple deadline and here we are just not adhering to it and at now all. we're selling it <laughs> we're selling it <laughs> poor uh. man you poor man you poor poor man so we have to keep it to a tight forty five to an hour. Or yes, or, and honestly, if we can be done by four thirty, that would really help your old Luke out. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. if he can't do it, you may have to slap in something. But um, we should be fine. Slap, 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 slap on down. the nipples, nipples, nipples. Yeah. So Luke, how you doing? Uh, I mean, you know, fine. <laughs> just you know, whatever. I'm at the greatest school in the world with some of the best people in the, in the world, and I'm being just beyond moody. So, how are you? Uh, well, it's funny that you say that because I am I am deep in a rut. <laughs> oh, prepare for a lot of a joy, rut. everyone. Yeah, <laughs> what's I'm your rut, rut about? Well, what's my rut about? So, uh, here's a couple things. So, it's been a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a month and a half, a month and a week since I quit my job, or excuse me, two and a half months. And I am getting used to the new job while doing all this traveling. Love the travel. Love the places. Love the people I'm doing the stuff with. But I am alone all day long. I have my family, but I have to do worky work. So mm-hmm. I'm alone all day long. So I, I haven't yet. I, I think last week and this week, I finally figured out a rhythm of stuff to do. So it's like, okay, there's that. But I'm very much outside of my family, but they're doing their things and I'm doing my thing. I, I'm alone. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. So th- there's a rut there. Then my family left from June, uh, July 1st to the 5th. I flew them to St. Louis. And then when they came back in the evening on the 5th, I had already flown to Canada. So I didn't see them until the ninth. Mm, that's a and, long time. Yeah, and like we rarely are apart that long. And usually when we're apart, it's because I'm doing an event, not because I'm at home. So when I was at home and I didn't have anything to do, I didn't have projects or anything like that. I just had normal work. Uh, and I'm working from home. I didn't realize like how bad it got. Like it got bad. Like I just I like. My desire, energy. I, in my head, I was like, well, I got my rucksack. I'm going to go rucking every day. I'm gonna do, and I've done a lot of rucking. Don't get me wrong. I've done a lot. I have. I really have. But that. Careful about your spine. Totes. Totes. I got all the things. I got the, the kidney strap, the delt booby buckle, you know, the part that makes my man <laughs> boob stick out really, really far when I'm walking around the neighborhood and no one sees it but I do. Yeah. So. Uh, so it, it's just funny because, like, all these things just fell apart. Then I get out to Halifax. I'm there with my boy, uh, Chris Frank. Uh, oh, great Chris fun Frank. seeing all these guys again. But the thing was, um, like, then I was doing something that, like, owned my whole day. Yeah. Right? Because when you're yeah. on a Super Bowl conference, it's, it's your whole day. You're there with the team. You're doing this, this, this. You got to go to everyone's talk. You do all that stuff. You sneak off to your hotel room to poop. And by hotel room, I mean dorm room. That sucked. But uh, it was awesome. Everything was fine about the conference. I needed that to take my mind off of it once I got that ball rolling. But then I came home, and I'm just like, dude, I can't shake this. Then we got a, a message from our insurance company. So we, we did $7,100 worth of tree uh, trimming and chopping down and stuff by trees that were damaged in that freak storm, and they're not going to pay us a dollar. Uh, I know. They're not going to pay us a dollar. They're uh, like, well, you have a $3,000 deductible, and we would never pay you more than X amount of dollars for a tree. And Shannon goes, yeah, but these trees are going to fall down. They said, but they didn't fall down, so we don't owe you anything. And she said, but they're now damaged. They are visibly damaged. They are curved. They have cracks in the trunk. They're curved. They're wind damaged. We're actually saving you potentially more money. Yeah, that's what she said. She said, if you can prove negligence then it's no longer an act of god then it's on us then it's on you and she said but they didn't fall that's a, that's what she just kept saying. well they didn't fall well they didn't fall you didn't have to get rid of them it's like we did they were they were bent over half the trees had the tops knocked off them because our big tree fell on no sorry and then that's i sent that to my buddy who deals with insurance companies for a roofing and he just said uh there comes a point in time where you just have to admit that most insurance companies are uh hedge funds with a different name like they're just getting That's your so money evil yeah 
And you're, and he was telling me he works with insurance companies. He said the best for customers is travelers because they pay out the quickest and they have the least amount of fuss. He said uh, there are other two that are the worst. I don't know if I should say it online. I don't know if like you know, yeah, big yeah. people with big love. You know, but yeah. let's just say really famous insurance companies that everyone knows their names because they see the commercials all the time. Uh, they they always deny, 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 and then we'll accept a claim. And it's always like he said, we never get one less than six months. So you got people who have damaged roofs that the damage is increasing, and they're like, okay, well we'll pay for your new roof. And it's like, but now we have water damage, so it's crap like that. So I just I just got into a rut, and then Studentville tried to pay me for a conference I did three weeks ago, and the check didn't come because I had to sign for it and I wasn't in town yet. And oh, it's just like wow, so now something. I lost seven thousand dollars. Not lost, but had to pay, and yeah, we're on yeah. a very fixed income. Yeah. And my kids heard me complain, oh, and then that's... Cecilia was oh. like, "Mommy, I'm really scared about this, and I'm scared oh. about that." And Shannon's like, "It's fine, it's fine, it's oh. fine." But so I'm I effed up. But it's fine, it's fine, everything's fine. <laughs> you know what? But this is the happen. This is what happened. So I'm flying you. home. Get a text from Shannon. This is all the horrible stuff that happened. I immediately text you guys and tell you all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But then I just had this total peace, and I'm like, "It's gonna be okay. It's gonna yeah. absolutely be okay." Um, I don't know if, if it means I have to do something like go back to work. Okay, I'll go back to work. Who wouldn't yeah. want this? <laughs> For those you know, only listening, I lifted up my shirt. I've heard a quote that I really love. It says, "Don't cry about anything you can throw money at." It's hard to do that when there's more than one zero. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, yeah, that's a that's a good perspective to have, which is like your family and and your kids are safe, and if the insurance yeah. company is going to do anything about that, like. Yeah, that's that's like you're taking care of your family. You're taking care of your neighbors by by doing that, and that's what matters. Yep, yep. And that's I'm what we're s- trying to do. So I'm sorry, you got to go through that. So yeah, it just patreon.com slash. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to advertise, now's the chance. Discounts for all. Discounts for all. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, life is hard. Sure Wait, is. Your, boy, do your forty suck. Oh man, they get you. Life is hard. You are not important. Your life is not about yeah, you. You are not in control. Not happy you are going with, to die with that one. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah, whoopsies. Um, no, it's okay. It's on my desktop. It's on right. my phone. No, it's listen, on my desktop. Different strokes for different folks, you know? Yeah. Hey, I'm here to talk to you about NET at netusa.org slash apply. So uh, you guys may have heard me talk about on the podcast in the past that one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't do NET. I think I really would have loved it. I almost went to NET Australia, I think, or something. It was talked about. Uh, my friend Danielle called it. Maybe NET Island. I don't remember. It was like 20 years ago. I have worked with NET in the past for other uh, projects I've been a part of. I've been to their home campus. They're a fantastic organization. One of the most impressive I've ever been with an organization was actually when I went to go and visit NET from top to bottom just an awesome amazing people and they are calling you today to apply to be a net missionary if if you or 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 someone you um know could serve to be a net missionary please tell them about this link netusa.org slash apply the reality is that young people today are growing up in a largely post-christian culture making choosing the faith all the more difficult. A vast majority of Catholic youth are disconnecting from the church during their teenage years. Net Ministries is passionate about challenging young Catholics through relational ministry to follow Christ and embrace a life of community in the church. That's why working alongside youth ministers, parishes, and schools, Net Missionaries help young people encounter the person of Christ through evangelization and discipleship. As a Net Missionary, you will meet young people who need to hear your particular story, your journey, journey with the Lord matters. You can be an example to young people of how to make the faith their own, allowing Christ to enter into their lives. Your story has a purpose. The Lord has a call for you. If you're between the ages of 18 to 28 and interested in serving the Lord as a net missionary, go to netusa.org slash apply and fill out an application. Not able to apply yourself? Share about net's mission with a young adult in your life and encourage them to to apply today. That's netusa.org slash apply. N-E-T-U-S-A U-S-A U-S-A N-E-T-U-S-A dot org slash uh, slash apply and become a net missionary. This is the Lord calling you to do it. Do it. Luke said so. My dad loves his coffee mug. He does good. Good. And he sent I, me a text. He goes, got my Catching Foxes coffee mug today. Oh it dad. is now my permanent coffee mug. I'm going to go have a cigarette with Luke. Um, so <laughs> Did you guys ever smoke together? One time. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Best the coffee, you're great. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, and, and then after this, I'll, I'll just stop because I don't want, to, again, the old I'm Catching Foxes way of talking about, you're talking about the podcast. Um, yeah. I, he, he, the person had made a comment that, like, we were complaining about the Patreon stuff, and, and I, like, I wasn't. I, I hope it didn't come across like we were complaining about having to pay it. We were, like, more than happy to, to oh, the, pay gotcha. it. Oh, yeah. gotcha. It was just, like, we weren't, we, the way that Patreon does it, it could be a little bit better. You just don't know. I, I, like, out of the blue, it's like, and now you, like, all this is, like, gone. And it's like, wait, what? So, like, yeah. your expected income just gets cut in half. Yeah. And so it was a little jarring when our expenses also had gone up because, the, which, again, it's fine. It's, it's not a big deal. It just, I was just kind of like, and, and you're right, like, I need to be the bigger person and just, I'm going to let that go. But it just, like, I, I, I just, I feel at doing that. And so if, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I'm not going to welcome you back or anything. You're banned from both the Discord and the Patreon, but <laughs> which, you know, still, <laughs> which may or may not be irrevocable. I, I, I don't know. But it's been a while since I've snapped at anyone. It has. I'm it proud has been of a you. long time. You're growing as a I person. Really, it's been a Good. long time. And, and what you have been going through that our fans do not know about because we are not exhibitionists and voyeurs. Yet. Uh, yet. <laughs> yet. Yet. Yeah, we got to get some processing to go. But what yeah. you have been going through, uh, I'm shocked that you haven't punched me in the mouth yet. Uh, honestly, <laughs> no. the level of stress and anxiety. I mean, it, homework, life, everything. It, you know, I, there are t- I, I, I have realized that, like, I remember I was in, in the car with my mom, and I just started crying. Yeah. This is around um, Christmas time, and I just started crying. And she was like, oh, sweetie. I was like, thank you, mom. And then, but, you know, I just, and I just, yeah. and I, I, for about 10 minutes, I just, I was like, I just needed to cry. It was, it just, you can get super overwhelmed with all of it. And, you know, when you're going through that much of a change and a loss, I'm very much dancing around the issue here, but I'm okay with that. Um, it just, there are times, it just, it's like in waves, it just comes. And it's like, I don't know what, to, I'm like, I don't, I, and then I find that I'm totally fine after that. Yeah. So it's actually like it's I've never really experienced that because you know how I was um, in college and whatnot. <laughs> so this is a kind of a different way instead of being like, you know, 24 hours a day for eight months, be like, oh, gosh, oh, like it's more just like 20 minutes of that. Yeah. And then I'm like, OK, then I'm like good for like, you know, a couple of months. So I have to give myself permission to just like, you know, not be OK for for a bit. Yeah. And then it's OK. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a uh... quiet sigh. Quiet sigh. I, I feel bad. I feel bad for you because you're so far away, and I can't hold my Lukey, my sweet, sweet Lukey. No, it, it, no. I, I've been, you know, what I so I got here last Wednesday night, and there was a bit of a gathering at our Airbnb. A bit of a gathering. A bit of a gathering. <laughs> I'll send you the picture afterwards. It was pretty awesome. Um, and it, there who's was, that guy with a lampshade on his head? <laughs> it's Luke. There's just something about when you walk into a room and everyone's happy to see yeah. you and you're happy yeah. to see everyone you're with people that you know well and they know you and you're able to receive that type of like oh friendship it's really cool yeah absolutely it's really absolutely. cool and so like friendship is very important and like community is very important and you've been a big part of that so i don't know what i i, I had a feeling this this episode was, was going to be us just be like oh gosh <laughs> life is hard <laughs> life, Why is hard, life so hard life is hard can i but, tell you about some wins i got uh, some i got some wins can i tell you can i interject with a funny story really quick? yeah oh please do so please do okay so uh, you know, you've heard me talk about my buddy Dave. So on fr- Friday night, like I got in town a little bit early because I had, had a bunch of stuff for work. So I, had, I was here for the weekend. And my buddy Dave got here, but a lot of people, a lot of the other people who were here, they all had to leave because they were in, in, in between the two weeks. So they went home really, really quick, came back. So me and Dave were in this room. We get invited to go to this one restaurant and we go. We get invited to go to a baseball game and we go. Then we go to this bar afterwards. There's some Irish band that, that Dave that Dave um loves. And we go to this other bar after that, which is called the Oyster Bar or whatever. It was very cool. And we're on like the it's there's like three floors to this bar and there's food being served there like a restaurant till about like one in the morning. And so your your boys a little bit in. You know, I have two martinis at th- this bar, right? So we're okay. you know, yeah. It's a marathon, it's it isn't a sprint. So <laughs> these two people come up come up to us and they give us this like almost they give us this look and uh i was like oh are they gonna come and like ask us about, about the podcast and i was like i don't think so though but perhaps and they stop and they go hey um we're gonna have a family reunion here and we're gonna have like a bunch of people who are, who are gonna be here do you guys care if you like slide down at like a t- table or two and i'm like no we're almost done 
Oh, and then not at all. And we start to talk to them, and they have been doing this family reunion since 1918. They've only skipped for the Second World War and COVID. Oh. Right? They have 600 people, and they, and they alternate between South Bend, Cleveland, Detroit, and maybe like Nashville or something. Wow. And so and then they say, so we're, we're talking a bit more about, about their family, and they're just like the nicest people. And so, and, we're, and like then our like bill comes, so we're paying the bill, we're just like hanging out, and we are, I'm chatting with them. I make a, book, a bunch of jokes about how I, can I come and hang out? This sounds awesome. So they say, and I, we, we ask them what the name of their family is, and they say, we are the Redding family. They go, actually, we are like Otis Redding's like in our family. And I was like, what? Like the Otis Redding? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. So they're related to a very famous person. I'm always a little bit weird. Like, how do you bring that up? Yeah. So in my mind, the choices are either I talk more about Otis Redding or I bring up the fact that when I thought they came to the table, they were a fan of the podcast and just wanted to say hi to me. <laughs> Which one do you think I went Pod- with? I think you went with podcast. One hundred percent. I was like, I was like, to be honest, when you came up, and they were just like, "What?" <laughs> I started going on this whole thing, and um, and they ended up like, they, so like on their phone, they go, "Is like, oh, is this your podcast?" And I was like, "Oh, like scroll down a bit because sometimes with the top thing on Google, sometimes that Catching Foxes book pops up first. It's a little oh, annoying. Yeah. Yeah. See, I know, right? I'm like, just just stop. Damn Protestant." Book. Yeah, we were beating them for a bit, but they're up, they're back on top. Kind of annoying. So they end up subscribing to the podcast. So if you are so if you are I'm listening, hello. But the big joke that became instead of Luke talk with them about their very famous family member, Luke just brings up his podcast because <laughs> I'm not know, self-important. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I, I, but somehow in my mind, that was the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, that's sad for you. It is. <laughs> we'll I thought you, you were going to laugh more. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. It is so funny because uh, so when I did the Steubenville conference in Halifax, I was talking with someone. They were like, dude, that was a really great talk. I really appreciate it. I'm like, ah, go on. And so we're going. And, and she was sharing some really great stuff. And actually, I was. she was one of those people who I – I always pick people out in the crowd, whether they love me or hate me, and keep going, checking in with their faces to see yeah. how my talk is going. And she was one of them. So she's like, oh, I loved it. it you made me think about a lot of stuff. So um, so we were just kind of going back and forth. And I see this small crowd of young adult chaperones hanging out by the staircase. And they, like, keep looking over at me. I'm like, oh, so they want to talk to me after I talk to this lady. The event's about to begin. I don't have that much time. And then so I wrap up with them and I turn or with her and I turn to them and I'm like, hey, how you guys doing? And they're like, we're big fans. <laughs> <laughs> and so we started talking and just they're like the nicest people in the world. Right. So there's like three or four of them. And, you know, they're all Canadians and stuff. And uh, I do owe an apology to Nolan and to Rebecca, who both are like, well, to Rebecca first, but she's like, why did you tell me you were going to be in Halifax? It's a two-hour drive, and I'm like, I do I tons even... of free work for you guys on the Discord. <laughs> yeah, she manages that She can literally thing. delete our Discord from she, us. Yeah. She has all of the She controls so much. Yeah, but I, uh, so thank you, Rebecca. Um, yeah. But I, uh, w- people don't realize this, because I didn't realize this at first. When you're a speaker of the Steubenville Youth Conference, you do it as a community. So when you get, like, your times, you are required to get there by a certain time. Then you show up, and then uh, you are always with each other until you're going to bed, right? Like, that's it. That's your only alone time. So you, you do ministry as a team, as a community. You go through the, you know, the schedule together. You have all your meals together. You have prayer time for, you know, intercessory prayer time for the retreat. You have mass. You know, on Friday, we have a mass, just the speaking team and the, and the collaborators. So it's, it, there is no time. And I didn't realize this because the first Super Bowl conference, I invited my family to come, and the lady was who was in charge at the time. She was like, "Uh, your family shouldn't come." I was like, "What? Why?" Because like, you're never going to see them. Like this is a team thing. Like you do everything together. I was like, "Oh," and then I went and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I did not realize this at all." So yeah, it's not a time for you to go and hang unless you're hanging out with people on the speaking team. You don't hang out with anyone. So there were some great people that I saw at Steubenville Main Campus too. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, our friend John, his wife, their her nieces were. Uh, she's like, give a shout out, and John's like, I don't care if you do. <laughs> so I did. Right you did. My first talk. Wait, was it like John and Beth? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So awesome. and then they came and found me, but their youth minister is a huge fan of catching oh, nice. foxes and stuff. So we got some pictures together, gave her a hug. Oh, and her dad, really cool. her dad's like, you got to meet my daughter. So he took me. He was a chaperone. I was like, oh, I already met her. And he goes, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, no, Aww. it's Michael. But I can see how you get us confused. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, man, I miss main campus. Main oh, main I, campus. Do, I do, I do, too. It was fun. Ones. I'm going back in two weeks. So if you want to see me. <sighs> wait, 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 wait. What, what weekend? Uh, well, I'm actually going at, the, at night on uh, July 24th. Ah. But I'll be there the, till the weekend, till the 30th. Pro- uh, probably won't. Come to my window. It, it, might, it might work. Okay. It might work. And that's the adult conference, the Defending the Faith conference. I'm doing a retreat for engineers and computer science folks. Oh, that should be really cool. You'd be great at that. Yeah, I'm talking about virtue and then vir- virtue in the workplace and then uh, the virtue of courage in particular. Guess who's tried to answer every question about Apple at our strategic management class of 40, 40 people? Uncle Wade? Does he call in? Do you have him on speakerphone? He calls in. <laughs> He's like, no, don't pay attention to anything uh, that Luke says. He's wrong. Oh, wait. Um, uh, no, he's it, actually there have been like a couple times I wanted to ask him for 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 what what he thinks, but um, no, I have, and like the the, the the whole thing about like Steve Jobs and and Xerox, I got confused with either HP or Atari, where Steve Jobs and Wozniak used to work, but I knew enough that like Steve Jobs basically stole a bunch of stuff from um, Xerox. Yeah, they're and, I was like, and he was like, yeah, yeah that's that's pretty much the, the truth. And then I asked another question about Apple, and I forgot. But I'm trying hard to not be like, what about this? <laughs> I have a Steve Jobs uh, tattoo on my lower back. <laughs> I've listened to a lot of Apple podcasts over the past f- past 15 years, so I've basically like wrote the book. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a I'm like almost like a miniature Walter Isaac. If, you know. So. Uh, yeah. What are some what are some good good wins? Some good positive stuff going on in the old Gomer's life. Yeah, so this is funny how it dovetails into things. So my son Noah, heard of him, has a great kid, great kid, good head on his shoulders. He um, he'll often listen to Audible audiobooks because I have you know a subscription. And you get a bunch of books for free and stuff like that. So he listens to, like all the Minecraft books. But then he found out that you can have access to podcasts through Audible, and he went and hunted down not catching foxes, but. Uh, the plays the thing, which is a Shakespeare oh, podcast. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, it's, that it's Kate yeah, recommended. They about. Yeah, yeah, and so he went and listened to their. I mean, these are professionals. Some of them are in college. Some of them teach, you know, um, middle school and high school at classical schools. He went as a nine-year-old and listened to podcasts on the play that he did, Midsummer Night's Dream. That's fantastic. He listened to them all. Then he went and listened to the ones on uh, the one that his sister did, which was Much Ado About Nothing. And she's been listening to that, too. So she's listened to a bunch of them. And Kateri's become obsessed. So um, when they left, I took him to the airport on on the 1st. Before I left, my daughter walked in with a letter. And she said, you're not allowed to open this until I leave. Aww. So I took her to the airport, and I come back, and I open it. And uh, she it, it was a challenge for me to memorize the lines of the villain Iago in uh, Othello, The More of Venice. And I had to memorize lines, and she, and then I had to pick a character, a female character for her, and then act in a scene. And she had to memorize those lines, and we would have a competition. And I'm like, she is really into Shakespeare. That's and, fantastic. Yeah. So I've talked about this a handful of times with, with all sorts of people. And my buddy Johnny Phillips, awesome guy, um, He does, he's the director of music at St. Anthony's. Um, just one of the most incredible people I've ever met. I mean, he does a million things. He, he builds homes. He's a realtor. He has a AV studio that sets up audio for conferences. And on top of that, he's does directing music and runs choirs and stuff. So we had dinner over at his house and my kids, my wife and kids got there cause I was coming from a meeting before I did. And, uh, he said, uh, tell you, tell your dad what I did when you got here. And she goes, Oh dad, he has all of these, um, like hundred year old books, uh, on the works of Shakespeare. And as soon as she walked in the room and he nice. met her, because I think he's met her maybe once or twice, he's like, oh, Katiri, I have something I want to show you. So to have an adult who knows that and check, you know, like to go out of their mm-hmm. way, yeah, like yeah. there's already this, like just think about what that does for the kid, right? It confirms, like, yeah, it's, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. She'll remember that for a long time. Yeah, it confirms their interest. Yeah. And it, it validates it, which is a really big thing. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, yeah. yeah, so that was crazy. I love. I just it's good stuff, man. Absolutely. No, that's 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 the stuff that matters. You know, I'm trying to think if I have anything that matters. <laughs> <sighs> so um, no, actually, well, here's a okay. So the one little tidbit. I'm taking a strategic management course, and uh, we're talking about you know how okay, okay. So the whole classic thing about okay, you. You know, you do a 
strategic plan, and it just almost sits on the shelf. He basically spent yeah. all this time and all the money on a um, like a thing to hold up all, all your books. Or just yeah, if people don't realize that. Like people get so excited about the idea mm-hmm. of a strategic plan, and they never implement it. And so one of the ways <laughs> they said like a really good way to help make sure that you do implement that. And I, I never thought about this way. I just, I just thought it was interesting. Obviously, there's like you build it, you, you build, you have built. In milestones where you, your board or your um, leadership team, they review it and whatnot, and you assess how it's going. But then they said what you really want to do is they said – so anyways, they says um, – so, so they says – Mabel says, she says. Yeah, <laughs> you want to shake up your organization and who people are reporting to. Because uh. if you do some sort of like direct change within the organizational di- di- dynamics to reflect the changes in the strategic plan – people are much more likely to pay attention to it and to start to reference it and to engage with it. Okay, so say that again. You want to do what? So basically you want to change up some aspects of your organizational your organizational layout, if you will, and who people are reporting to. Ooh, so when you do a plan, you want to shake up the org chart because a bit. if you yeah. don't, then it'll just be, but I'm still doing my same old job, the same old exactly. way. Exactly, everything just, just too much the same. sameness. Okay, yeah. so the the organization doesn't truly reflect the changes that have been made. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was that was very interesting. I think I think I just I wanted to, sh- to share that on the podcast in case any priest or people at a parish were listening, because very rarely does that ever change. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, sometimes we need to take a hard look, and this is really tough. Like, if you change your your strategic priorities, do you need the organization to be the same that it was before? So are there people whose jobs you might need to e- eliminate? Yeah. Do, is there a certain team dynamics you're, gonna ha- you're gonna ha- going to have to change? All very hard. And I'm not saying that you let those people go. You may move them to a different role. Yeah. Okay, so that doesn't mean – but it, but it, it, also, it also could mean that too, though. You know? Yeah, so, the, the good to great has the great line. Get the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus. But then you have to mm-hmm. do that extra step of getting the right people into the right seats on the bus. Yeah, well, and, and a lot of people like fail at some, that. Yeah, and there are sometimes there are good people that you want on the bus, but the, the bus has just changed. Yeah, you know, you were yeah. going to Albuquerque, and now instead you're going to Dallas. Yeah, and you better not dress for Albuquerque. Yeah, when you go to less Dallas. meth, more hairspray. <laughs> the higher the hair, the closer to heaven. Yeah. yeah. So and, and just and, and that's, that's a real super dumb interesting. Man. Yeah, I, I, I that like I just. I tend to have I tend to, to view things for the most part through a Catholic lens, and then I'm always yeah. viewing things through like a nonprofit that we should start. <laughs> where we make all the, but it is really interesting. One of the things I love about this course, and or the, just this program as a whole, it's really fun to think about stuff. Like I'm doing a case study r- r- right now, and it's for an, an international nonprofit doing stuff with, with a couple other international groups, and it's super interesting to think about things in like a, a different way. And you forget how massive these things can actually be. Because yeah. for the most part, I tend to view them through a very Catholic um, lens, which means either like certain apostolates or parishes or schools. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, and diocese to, to a certain extent as well. And it's interesting to view it through things that are just like just massive or doing really big things or doing things that are like, uh, I, I, I don't know, like very interesting level. So I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing right now. I'm excited about where it, it, it could lead to. So your boy is just trying to get more sleep this time around. You can see the bags. <laughs> See the bags. I do see the bags. That's a lot of so, bags. Uh, on Saturday, I was like, "Man, I'm just so tired." And Saturday, like on on Sunday, I was like, "I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm just kind of like feeling really <sighs> melancholic." And I can't remember if it was Ryan or Elizabeth who were just like, "Yeah, like it's almost like you had a bunch of d- depressants or anything the nice the night the night before, and you're a little dehydrated, and <laughs> you know." Keep your signs away from my religion, freaks. <laughs> know, <right? laughs> this was an attack from the devil. <laughs> this was about building community. <laughs> so, Notre Dame really is a wonderful place, though. It I is. Mean, I, it I, is. I Every I time I it, went, I loved it. I it's mean, a wonderful, wonderful place. And I just, I don't know. I was at, I went to mass at the basilica, prayed at the grotto. Oh, so beautiful! That so, basilica. Uh, yeah, it really is. And like, it just, um, I don't know. It's really great. So. The funniest part of Notre Dame is when you're driving there for the first time, you see the Golden Dome with Mary on top, and you think, oh, that's clearly the Basilica. And then you're like, oh, no, that's just the admin building. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's really like, yeah, so if, if, if you're here, please don't hesitate to, to say hi just to prove to people that I am famous. <laughs> uh, I would appreciate that. Preferably do it when you see me out at a bar. Yeah. Maybe you're going to have a couple hundred family uh, members. Yeah, buy me a drink. Um, <laughs> Martinis and, uh, ain't no. cheap. But uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna have time to hang out. But uh, I'm really, it's, it's uh, please, please say hi though. It's 
the coursework for this one is a lot. I'll be yeah. honest. It's a what lot, classes are you taking right now? All right now it's just policy and planning. So Ugh, it's, gross. Yeah, it's, re- it's great though. It's really like you would really like it. This is right up your alley. Nice. You would really nice. love it. Yeah. It's all a bunch of things of like, we don't know this for sure, but here's like what we think, you know, kind of things. Yeah. So I had I, a priest I reach out to like, me who said, I was on your website today, so he saw the Matt Frad thing. Then he's I think he's a subscribed to Catching Foxes. And then he went and went to my website, seen by dozens, layevangelist.com. And uh, he started reading through some stuff. And he goes, I was intrigued by one thing where it says that you, like, consult with parishes about, um, like, vision, mission, and, um, and, like, retreats and stuff. And he goes, I have to tell you, while I love my priesthood and I love my parish, I know that I'm not the mission and vision guy. And he said, what, what do I do to get a vision? Or why, why, don't I, why, why don't I have one? And so it's interesting to talk about that because it's like, well, the reason why in Catholic Church we don't think about this stuff, number one, it's like jargony language from the business world. So sometimes we feel very awkward, like importing things from the private sector into, yeah. into religion yeah. and stuff like that. So there's that. But then on top of that, like it, it's, it's language that's used all the time by non-denominational churches who are not afraid to import all, maybe a little bit too much from the business world into their, into their models. But their whole thing is like for Catholics, the way you start a new church is – the bishop who probably already owns the land, you know, the, it, through the chancery, right? They own the land. They say, okay, population is X. We now need to build a new church. Everyone north of this line, you're now going to that church. And, I mean, that's how they were done for years. You have parish boundaries. You build a new church, whatever. Yeah. And so what ended up happening is it, it's so um, – I don't want to say bureaucratic. I mean, it is bureaucratic, but it's so just appointment, right? You just get appointed there. Um, Whereas in the non-denom world, you have to build your church from nothing for the most part. I mean, some have church growth movements and all these different things, but uh, you're funded. It's a satellite campus. It's this, it's that. But uh, for a lot of them, especially the churches that, that reach like international status, it's because their pastor has to have social skills, has to have business skills, and has to have money-raising skills and, and prudence with all that stuff, and has to be able to counsel people one-on-one because they start the church by meeting in homes, then you go to the high school, the local public high school, then you outgrow that because of the, dy- you know, whatever. So, like, evangelization, discipleship, mission, and vision are not just a thing that you do. It's like make or break, do or die. And in the Catholic Church, it's not in, in those terms. And so I told the priest, I was like, well, the first thing you can do to understand this is write down the names of like three priests who you think are bad priests that you know that are doing ministry in your diocese. Like write them down, write down their names and then write down, this is why they're bad priests. And maybe you'll find that they're actually not bad priests. They're just bad dudes. Like they're uh, uh, fussy or they, they get annoyed easily, but they're not like failures at the priesthood. You know what I mean? And I said, write that down and then write like, okay, and then figure out what you think makes them bad priests. Then write down some priest names that are really exceptional priests that you know. I was like, and write down the qualities and individual actions that make them good priests. Don't say things like, well, they're holy. Like, well, how do you know that they're holy? Well, you see them praying so they're unashamed to pray publicly, you know, whatever it might be. And once you – because we all know priests that wear cassocks that might say all the traditional religious stuff that we know and love but are total horrible people one-on-one. Um, and, and vice versa, people who are amazing one-on-one but are terrible. They're, they're good at being people, but they're bad at being priests, right? So, uh, And it's a funny dichotomy. So I said just list this stuff out and then list out the last thing, which is what does my – what's unique about my parish community? Like, oh, we're in the, we're in the Midwest. Okay, so that's going to have some things. We're here in – you know, they're in the Rust Belt. They're over here. They're over there. It's a farming community. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to have strengths and weaknesses that will apply to your group that you can build up and build upon and just be aware of. And then once you get the right people that like as you, be- as you make a commitment to say these are the qualities of a great priest, I'm going to become yeah. that priest. These are the qualities of a great parish. I'm going to intentionally try to make that happen at my parish. You'll attract people and you'll repel people. And the people who attract, they'll help you come up with a vision, right? Because you can't really do a vision alone. If it's really going to take hold, it's got to be like everyone has to have a piece of it, right? In the sense of this, is, th- this makes sense of who we are and who we want to be. Well, like one thing that's really struck me too has been um, that it's a strategic plan is a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And I think quite often that end is it. It is developed through the strategic the strategic plan, and I think part of that is right. But there also this is element too, like what are you being called to? Yeah, yeah. 
And when you, when it's through that lens, like where is the Lord calling us to? And there could be some canonical things that will help you even de- de- determine that. But also, yeah. it's a thing that is revealed to you. Yeah. That's how that. That's how that works. And and this should all be at built towards that. Like it, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I'm a little tired. This should all be at the service of that, right? And it, and there's a bit of a tricky balance about like when you can rely too much on the on the strategy part be like because we're not like human beings are not knobs and levers nor is the holy spirit so what do you do about that um mm. but there is like a, a basic understanding of like how like and then you can actually like when you get into the weeds of like certain things like that's where the, the strategy part i think it becomes really fun yeah and well the, really the other thing is that i feel like there's like a denial of our human nature in some of this stuff like one i think me and you both have a clear allergy to turning the church into a business like it's not mm-hmm. just a business it's also not just an, a nonprofit. it has a specific it's, it's an outpost of the kingdom of god right so there are mm-hmm. fundamental differences that the church but there are also similarities to mm-hmm. healthy organizations healthy yep. practices yep. you know all this stuff and you know often you find hard-charging businessmen and women who sit on parish councils they want the church to reflect more like a business and you have, you know, nonprofit people. You, you have all this, like, interesting mixture. Everyone has opinions. So one of the things that is a hindrance to having mission and vision in the parish is it just feels like it's a given, right? Like you were talking about these canonical things that actually help guide you. But for a lot of people, they don't guide. They, they become barriers. Meaning, well, yeah, I administer the sacraments. We have children's faith formation. I do weddings. Like, yeah, totally. That's what it means to be the church. And it's like, yes. But in your context, with your priesthood, with your people, with your congregation, with your resources, with this problem that's local that Christ put on your heart to solve, like the, there are things that are that um, that I think prevent sometimes Catholic leadership people, whether it's the priest or the laity or the pastoral um, planning committee, whatever, to see that like we we can tend to dismiss like are we offering the sacraments are we doing that and this is where i think sometimes abuse of the sacraments can come in because they see these needs and so they want the mass to be able to do those things when it's like no the lord's calling you to build a soup kitchen yeah. like the lord's calling yeah. you to build a food pantry right like saint anthony's mm-hmm. food pantry is one of the most incredible things in the woodlands right and you know i'm like it, and and it was expanded in a big way right before COVID hit and all these neighbors who were complaining that it's going to bring the riffraff were thankful because they had to go to it. Right. Like, mm-hmm. huh, look at that. Look at that. My, how the turntables have turned. Um, but so this, this understanding of like, as human beings, we have, there are specific needs that we encounter in specific communities. Right. So if a community is rural, that's going to be different than a suburban regional parish. It's going to be different than an urban parish. If you're made up of, if you're a homogenous Hispanic church, it's the needs are going to be different than, you know, a German church that, you know, with this community has been German, like out in uh, Fredericksburg, Texas, you know, for the longest time, it was strictly German speaking uh, and, and German culture immigrants. That, that's where they settled. And so you have um, like, sometimes I feel like not wanting to do the mission and vision stuff is like a denial of the the reality that that matter individuates and people are individuals yeah, and they're absolutely. all there for a reason, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, so if you want to, it is to, to come out to your parish, it'll be five thousand dollars <laughs> at least. <laughs> oh, uh, man, I'm getting scared with the money situation. Scared and not scared. My check came in today, so. I should be good. I got to go to a bank and deposit it like a peasant. Do you want to start a nonprofit? I have some ideas. Wait, why can't you just use your phone? Because <laughs> this is funny. So it's the bank that Steubenville, that Franciscan uses. Mm-hmm. The The way I've I, uh, it, it was told to me was there's too little space between the numbers at the bottom and the bottom of the colored part of the check. And there's too much space to the bottom of the check in the white area. So what people have done is fold the white area. It's just white air. Why can't it? Det- I don't get it. But they fold the white area in half in order to make it look like a normal check. And that's worked for some people. So I, I tried that a thousand times. It never works. But the problem is they make it out to Mike Gormley instead of Lay Evangelist LLC. And even though on my account it says Lay Evangelist LLC, Michael Gormley, they refuse to deposit any check there. So when I do it with my phone, it all goes right to my business account. But when I do it in person, it goes to my personal account, then to my business. It's annoying. It is. Yeah. It's annoying. But I will tell you, man, every day that goes by, Luke, Luke, I am so happy I am a part of of that man as you. Good. Last night, my wife and kids, I was like, I want my kids to appreciate the rosary. And I was like, oh, there's this video that that man as you did called uh, The Power of One Hail Mary. 
And I was like, let me see if it's on YouTube. So we, I put it on. And, like, we were all in tears. And it's like a two-and-a-half-minute video. It's about a guy running down the street. Well, I, I won't spoil it in case people want to watch it. But Father Joe Freedy is telling the story. He's Dave and Vickle's best friend, basically. And he's up in Pittsburgh. And I just did Steubenville Main Campus with Father Joe. I love Father Joe. Nice. So he's the one telling the story. But then they reenact it. It's your boy uh, Dan Johnson who married Lauren, uh, the Krispy Kreme. Oh, yeah. 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 He's 4 p.m. media. It's his great guy. His, and he directed it. Nice. With the guys from Paradisius Day, so it is so it's so well done. So then, they, they, so that that's like a vignette in the movie that they separated out. But then they just did, it's like a thirty-five minute introduction to the Rosary, and he tells this story. Okay, I'll, I'll just tell it really quickly. I think it's a great story. So there's this woman who was sick, and it's a friend of his, and he was at the tomb. He was in Rome, Mark Hartfield. He was in Rome, and he went to pray at the tomb of Saint Pope John Paul II, right? And the family of the, this friend of his, uh, they're Polish. And the mother, I think of the mother, was an immigrant from Poland. And so she went and uh, – or he went to that tomb specifically to pray for her healing. And uh, so I, I can't remember any of the other coincidences. I mostly forget the story. But basically what happened was – he can't remember he, anything else and I forget everything else. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, it was hilarious. Anywho, <laughs> no. So he calls her up the next day and he says, hey, just to let you know, I prayed at the tomb of St. Pope Paul for your mother's hmm. healing. And she said there were two interesting stories. And she's like, I got to tell you the story. And uh, so she goes and basically her mother, 11 years ago, um, had a dream where basically she was the hemorrhaging woman at the, uh, the hemorrhaging woman, right? So she's, this is when she was just diagnosed with this illness that's still affecting her. And she had this image where she wanted to meet the Pope. She wanted to shake, touch his hand and shake his hand. And she knew she would be healed if she did. And she goes, and there's too many crowds, and her, her pain was so intense that she couldn't even crawl. So she laid in a ditch, and she said, if he walks by, I'll touch the hem of his garment, right? And she goes, and she says that she reached out, and she could barely even touch him. She couldn't reach his hem, but she grabbed a, a ripped off a piece of his sock. And uh, so she's holding a piece of his sock. And uh, the story goes, a, the Pope turns and looked at her, and, he, and she was healed or whatever. I can't remember what happened, but then he says to her, don't worry soon we'll have more than enough time to talk with each other she wakes up from this dream she's going about her day the next day and the news comes out that at that time jp2 just died so she's like holy crap so this woman this is now like 11 years later and he's praying at the tomb i can't remember the exact <laughs> this is part sucks i can't remember the exact story but he said that he was talking with a nun and he was telling her this story and the nun gave him she said you know we all uh, I was a seamstress in Rome for the Pope. They held it close to their hearts. And now 11 years later, and this precise moment when I'm at his tomb praying for her family, this is what happened. That her mom was in mass. She was a daily communicant and she was in Krakow. And a religious sister approached her after mass. She had never met her, never seen her before. And the first thing she did was she handed her a rosary and simply said, this is from the Pope. But what happened next will really blow your mind. She said, come with me. And then they proceeded to walk to the residence in which she was saying. She went on to explain that many, many years ago, she worked at the Vatican, that she did all the Holy Father's sewing. And they began to see that he was a living, walking, breathing saint, that one day all of these items would be relics. And then she turned and she said, I have no idea why I'm doing this. And she grabbed a piece, a white piece of cloth. And she said, this is from the sock of St. John Paul II. That the scrap of cloth was from his sock. Like huh. 11 years later. And this story that all of her family knew the story of having a dream of only being able to grab a chunk of his sock when huh. he walked by in the dream. And, then, and, she, and there's a picture of this woman holding up the, the fabric of the sock. Wow. Like, isn't that crazy? It's wild. It is wild. And so we're all just in there like, I miss JP2 so much. <laughs> My kids are like, it was really funny. So it's, it's, it takes you place didn't even the, know him. <laughs> yeah. You didn't know him like I did. You didn't know him. I didn't know him either. <laughs> but I've I saw books. him twice. <laughs> I've owned books. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, so we're watching and they're in the, he starts off talking about the rosary in the Church of the Annunciation. And that's where I realized, like, oh, the Franciscans in the 1930s what ruined church architecture with these ugly cement pillars and all this Not stuff. Not all of it's bad. Not all of it's bad. Just most of it. And, and in yeah, the Holy Land. on my Art Deco. Yeah. And uh, so they go and... Oh, fuck <laughs> you. Uh, 
so they go anywho, so they're showing and I'm telling them like, yeah, when I was in the Holy Land and you know, whatever. <laughs> I shit myself a lot. You know, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> so much. Like, literally, they were showing scenes of Jerusalem, and I go, I went there. Oh, my gosh, I love that. <laughs> uh, I missed all of that because I was pooping. Yeah, um, that's funny. But, no, so there was this part, and I was like, oh, that was awesome. And the next scene is me. And I was like, all right, they filmed me for a part of this. <laughs> I totally forgot. <laughs> so I'm like, kids, are you impressed? And they're like, no, you had a hair sticking up in the center of your head the whole time. Yeah. And I did. There was, like, straight up in the air, and I'm like, damn it, I, that's all I was staring at. I showed it. I'm sorry. Go and ahead. then there's a scene where they're they're doing B-roll and I'm like doing the stations of the cross. And then Noah goes, and dad, I can see your bald spot. <laughs> it's like, damn it. Everything bad. I showed Emily, uh, Emily, geez, uh, Everly, the, the clip of when we were on the Matt Frat show a while ago. Yeah. And it just goes, daddy. Well, anyways, they're <laughs> completely lost interest. And I was like, no, no. All we drink right. coffee here in a minute. It's really funny. Yeah. I, I pee at one point in time. <laughs> Same thing happened at, at Pints with Aquinas. I peed for the full two and a half minute break. <laughs> They're like, normally it's coming back. And I'm like, I'm trying. Oh, that's awesome. It's good times. It's good times. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I do uh, have a funny theological thing I wanted to throw your way. Yes. And then, and then I have to wrap things up here. Yeah, yeah. Right. We got, we got 13 minutes. <laughs> we have right? 10. 13? We have 10. 10. 10. Okay. All right. Now, I, I wanted you tell me if, um, if, if you don't know any of this stuff, right? Okay. So... There are four Gospels. In the four nope. Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called Lots the... <laughs> and done. No, they're called the synoptics, right? Because they heard had, of it. Yeah, synoptic, one vision. Okay, and then there's John. And John is considered to have a radically different vision, fills in all the gaps, gives us all this extra stuff. Con- contradicts some stuff for shits and giggles. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Um, yes, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just, just a joke, so, everyone. But the main reason why, this is fascinating to me, to me, maybe me alone, but the main reason why John is so, so most of John's ministry is in Judea. He talks about Jesus' Judean ministry, whereas in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, most of it is in Capernaum. You know, it's up in Galilee, up north. So if you take one verse in John's gospel and remove it, the four Gospels harmonize according to timeline, right? So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, Matthew, yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke is essentially a little over one year. Mm-hmm. Takes place mostly up north in Galilee. John's Gospel, two and a half to three years. We usually just say three-year ministry, mostly down in Judea. If you take out one verse, you can make a case. I mean, it's not like, oh, well, everything falls into place. You could make a case where all four Gospels, their timelines, more or less, harmonize. Hmm. And the case is this. In John chapter 6, where Jesus gives the bread of life discourse and all that stuff, that Catholics point to all the time when we're talking about the real presence. Because in John's Gospel, he gives us a Last Supper narrative, but he doesn't give us the institution of the Eucharist. So John's Last Supper starts in chapter 13 or whatever. And goes until he's crucified, right? Until the agony in the garden. Whereas the other gospels, the synoptics, give us the Last Supper and the institution of the Eucharist and the priesthood and all that stuff. So the interesting thing is, so John's filling out the details, right? Okay. But if you go into John chapter 6 and you delete verse 4, which says, Now the, t- uh, the feast of the Passover of the Jews was at hand. If you delete that, the rest of the chronology, that means, well, in John chapter 1 verse, I can't remember what it was like, let's say 34, that says it was Passover of the Jews. It says now the Passover of the Jews is at hand. And you're like, okay, so the exact same phrase is used in chapter 1 at the end of chapter 1, and then again in chapter 6, and then again when Christ is crucified, right? He's crucified on the day of preparation for Passover. So you have this, so now, okay, there's three Passovers. But the interesting thing is if you delete that, then there are two Passovers at the beginning of his ministry and at the end of his ministry, just like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And if you delete that one thing, the next time a a feast is mentioned, I believe it is Tabernacles, which is the last feast of the year. But what does Jesus do at Passover is he multiplied the loaves. So Matthew or Luke, uh, John 6, he he feeds the 5,000 plus with five barley loaves. The word loaf implies it's leavened, but Passover starts the feast of unleavened bread which is a week-long thing. And so this, this Jewish uh, convert to Christianity, a Messianic Jew, he's like, would, would, Meshi, would Yeshua Meshiach give everyone leavened bread during the Feast of Unleavened Bread? And I'm like, hey. And then 
in in the Gospel of Luke, which I'm studying every morning, like it's like a a thing that I'm doing, part of my 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 spiritual life, and it's been um, incredible for me personally how I'm doing it now. Um, it says when Mary and Joseph went up to Jerusalem, it says as was their custom, going every year. And it's like, wow, so when he has disciples, all of a sudden he decides not to go to Jerusalem. He goes to the Sea of Galilee, right? This is when he walks on the Sea of Galilee. He goes from Tiberias to Capernaum. And so you have all this stuff that, like, is kind of questionable if you look at it as a three-year ministry. But if you take out that one verse, all of a sudden it's a two-year ministry. Two year, or it, It's a 70-week ministry where you delete. Yeah. So I just started, and I became obsessed with this. And I'm like, I don't know if this is true. So I went through on the airplane, on the flight from Montreal to Houston. And I wrote down every single sentence, every verse that gave you a time frame, like then the next day and the next day on the third day. And then it was like it was the Feast of Tabernacles. It was winter or it was the Feast of Dedication. It was winter. Okay, well, that makes sense. It's Hanukkah. It's in December. That makes sense. But when you line them up, I I wrote every single one of them. And I'm like, holy crap, if you delete this one verse, if you keep it in, there's still a timeline. But if you delete it, you can make it work. You can make it work to where hmm. the timeline aligns with Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And apparently, there is a manuscript tradition, a family, a group of manuscripts where that verse doesn't exist. That's in interesting. The, in the copy of John. So I started looking at it. I'm like, this would change everything. <laughs> uh, hear about it more on patreon.com slash CF. <laughs> I'll post my, my photos of my journal. I'm one step away of being Charlie Day from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> with, like, red yarn going to everything. Did you, you stay here? <laughs> that's, no, that, that, that's actually re- really interesting. Uh, um, Luke, you fell asleep. Luke, no, you fell asleep. No, actually, no. I, I didn't think that's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm just I'm tired. Well, Luke, we got three minutes. I just want to say, man, that I think you are so blessed to have me in your life. No, I agree. You're welcome. I agree. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for the live action of that. Uh, <sighs> just kidding. Hey, are you happy? Just blows are, by. are you sad or happy that Dial of Destiny, Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny is bombing? I don't care. Right. So you don't, like don't is that doesn't make you sad that you don't care? Oh, I I've, I've, I've let go all that stuff. Like I'm just like, yeah, you know, whatever. Wasn't Kingdom of the Crystal Skull your favorite movie of all time? Ah, uh, yeah. You know, I was just like, everyone else, you're wrong. <laughs> like <laughs> injecting aliens into this thing about epic religious myths is a natural conclusion. The monkeys looked real, and <laughs> in no way did a gopher staring at Indiana Jones and going oh like that, and just like then wandering off, freaking me out. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. The ants. No. What about the CGI ants? That was pretty powerful. No, I literally don't remember that at all. I just remember there was all these ants that ate everyone instantly. It's I've, heard it's, I've heard it's not bad. <laughs> I heard it's sad. You're just sad for Indiana Jones the whole time. You're like, oh. oh. I mean, here's the fort's 83. What do you like? We can't be expecting him to be like, you know. Which is why we shouldn't around. do a movie <laughs> with him in it. Oh, good times. Listen, all right. Like, it's just this is what they think is like. Here's the thing. Go on. We're gonna have we're gonna have we're gonna have we're gonna have more of this. We're gonna have about maybe eighteen months to two years of this, and then it's gonna change because basically it's gonna it takes them two years to adjust to like everyone's everyone's yeah. in, interest, and we you know so like we're just behind. But you know, it'd be like, awesome is if they made Indiana Jones six. Would it be six? It would be six, and it was like cheesy Pete, the multiverse of Jonesy, and he meets all these alt Indiana Jones from different timelines. That'd be awesome. I saw the Flash. I thought it was fine. I enjoyed it. Maybe. We talked about it. We talked about it. Oh, we did. Okay. Yeah. I, I Are just you going like, to see Sound of Freedom? I don't even know what that is. I'm scared to see it. No, I've heard. I've, I've heard there's some. I don't know. I don't know. It's the thing with Jim Caviezel that everyone's like getting you know their pants all in a bunch about. Dude, it's bizarre though. It, it's bizarre. I've also heard some things. that's like, hey, maybe like look. I don't. Know, I've, I've heard some things. that's like, hey, let's not just jump on this because it's like you know. Like there may be some things here that the people need to un- un- understand. Like, like it's just I, I don't I don't know a lot. I just know some people that are like, "Hey, easy about." Yeah. Well, like the this. big thing is Jim Caviezel's big into conspiracy theories and QAnon stuff. He's spoken at like QAnon conferences. Oh, uh, why? Why? Then why are we doing this? Why <laughs> and so are we doing one this? of the big things with them, right, is is all these child abductions and stuff like that. 
as if a million kids a year are not sold into sexual slave trade and human trafficking. You know, I mean, like we know this is a fact that we yeah. know. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right. But so the whole point of the movie is just Both about those that. Things can be true. Yeah, I know. Like, right. Like, and, but that's yeah. that's the difference. Is you have all these people who are just like, go see this movie. It doesn't exploit kids. It implies a lot of stuff so that you feel the reality. But you don't. You never once feel like, oh, I gotta go to jail because I feel like I broke the law with children. You never like every reviewer and all the reviewers. I, okay, I did listen to Trent Horns, but all the other reviewers are just YouTube secular people who hate all this stuff, who hate religion. <laughs> They're all godless evens. But they were like, These, "This movie is actually fantastic on its own. It is a fantastic okay. movie." But then along comes a little low-budget movie like Sound of Freedom that I can honestly say I knew precisely nothing about until a few days ago, which seems to have ignited some kind of firestorm in the public consciousness and capitalized on the gaping hole left by Dial of Destiny's implosion, resulting in massive overperformance at the box office and a flood of emails practically demanding that I watch it now. Well, never let it be said that the drinker backs down from a challenge. And guess what? Sound of Freedom is really f***ing good. In fact, I'd go so far as to say that it deserves the hype and praise that it's been getting, managing to tackle some pretty brutal subject matter in a sensitive and restrained way that never feels exploitative, delivering some excellent performances from a talented cast that don't overshadow their roles, and a storyline that feels neatly grounded in the true events that it's been based on. In short, it's exactly what you'd want in a movie like this, keeping you gripped and tense right until the end, and almost never descending into the kind of extravagant Hollywood tropes that often derail true stories like this. But it's guilty by association because it's Angel Studios, who brought you VidAngel, yeah. and it's um, Jim Caviezel, who's queuing on all that stuff. And then now they're coming out saying, like, well, he didn't, like, and now literally fact-checkers are going to war with each other, being like, well, he didn't save that many kids, and Homeland Security, like, this guy who literally did this stuff is, oh, it's so frustrating. It's I've, so frustrating. I've heard there's something about, like, there's a few things that are a little bit like weird, but I don't I don't remember. Yeah, but don't was. worry, cuties was totally fine. We had to praise the sexuality of eleven year old girls, but I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's that Netflix thing, the French coming of age movie of a dance troupe, and they're all like twerking in scantily clad uniforms and like it's liberating, and it's like it's definitely predatory. Yeah. Oh, I hate it all. Just, but they love you, this. Anyway. What you do is you just don't pay attention. What you do is you drink. What bar do you go to when you're there? What's your favorite bar? Uh, there's been a few. What's that one that you love? Like the hangout, the holdover, the uh, hangover? O'Rourke's was the one that we went to a lot our first year. We didn't go there at all our second year. What's the one that you invited Dr. Uh, uh, oh, Roars. Huh? Oh, so I said, um, I said, well, let's go to Roars and let's go to the linebacker. The linebacker. That's what Roars. I was thinking. Yeah, no, we're going to the linebacker either this weekend or, or next weekend. You should reach out to her. I bet you she would go. I know. No, I've, I've got to. I just, I have so much, I feel bad because it's like, I don't want to commit to anyone or anything because I just, I don't know. Yeah. But like, if you're going to go. If I go, yeah, I'll just sit around very, a last minute, you should come to Roars. We may end up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, it was pretty, like, the linebacker was pretty great. Like, it was, they, they just stay open an extra hour, which is amazing. And at the end of the night, we're all like in a circle singing billy joel and i'm just drenched in sweat You're, this is your this is your happy place. i know <laughs> it really is let me put it this Sing way okay, okay, okay. okay. let piano, me just let me just man. without disclosing too much without disclosing too much let me just tell you at one point in time i'm not gonna say when okay i'm not gonna just just, just know it was it was prudent it was fine that i did this but this did happen it's three in the morning and i had to stop and oh, go. i'm so busy with school i am <laughs> this is the thing i really am i didn't have any school stuff the next day um, I have a Manhattan and a half a Bud Light in front of me. I'm just like, what am I doing? <laughs> it's three in the morning, and I have a full Manhattan and half a Bud Light. I'm just How like, many agendas am I supporting? <laughs> <laughs> I only drink concerning agendas. <laughs> I was just like, oh, Luke. I, I remember like talking. I think it was on Monday. I was talking to my mom. I was like, Molly, I'm a little bit tired. She goes, stop drinking, get some sleep, and stop drinking. I was like, just it was just it was a you know a long weekend. You know what I'm going to do? It's a long weekend of drinking. I'm going to start sending you all the YouTube videos of people who gave up alcohol for their lives. I would rather die. I know. I'm going to send you, like, Laura Schlesinger, the comedian. She gave up alcohol. What do you do? No, I'm sure they have they lead very ha- healthy, happy lives. 
No. <laughs> you did just look at each other? I did you decide just sit on in a room Monday. And look I at each other? Because, like, when, like, during the week, I'm not doing stuff. Like, right. For the most You're part. So, uh, <laughs> for the most part. That's just Bud Light. Just me yeah. and my and friends. So we on, put our dresses like, on. Like, on Monday, I was like, no, like, no, I need to take a break. And then Paul's like, uh, why? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> It was nice. Oh, it's the old impulse control. I know, right? Thank I said to, to myself, I, t- uh, I, I had a conversation with a, a person who wanted to chit-chat with me, and we've been meeting pretty regularly, but since I left San Anthony, it's been hard to meet up. So we met at Denny's beforehand. It was a cl- coffee place close by, and then I was like, well, I'm here. I might as well get a double cheeseburger. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, why don't I know how to say no? Why do I pretend like the ruts in my life are actually excuses? I don't know. Like, listen, we're of the age where we're finally starting to see, like, which things can be changed and, like, which things, which like, can't. like, can't. So we have to change the things and then we'd be able to change that. Like, you know, yeah. we're, we're at the age where we're going a little bit deeper now. My, my <laughs> So we're right. Okay, I'd say this and then I do. I really then do we gotta have go. to yeah. go. I'm just kind of quietly panicking. Um, So where our Airbnb is right next is, like, the backyard. You can see all, like, the graveyard that is um at uh, uh, Notre Dame. So we... Mm-hmm. Like walk through the like side part of that to get to uh, the main road, and I like you know me. I'm always like, oh, I'm like praying for the souls of everyone there. I'm like, I'm thinking about death every morning, and everyone. Oh, else you is get just a like, beautiful indulgence. Yeah, nice. everyone else is just like I'm walking because they're normal, and yeah. I just turn everybody around. I'm like, you ever just like like have you like bought a gravestone yet? Have you ever really thought about that? It just it just goes no. I'm like yeah, but we're kind of close to the age where you know like stuff starts happening. You want to just goes. Not really. <laughs> and I was like, so you don't walk around like just constantly being in some some type of existential crisis. And he just goes, no. I was like, I'm what? good. Things are good now. What's what's that like? Because <laughs> it's, it's all I know. How to, it's all I know. My buddy Gomer has a desktop wallpaper. Last line is you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash. Yeah. Who are you? Who am I? Who yeah. are you? Who am I, sir? We're just here to get your lunch order. <laughs> Who is anyone? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. All right, Luke. Love you, buddy. Have I fun at Root 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 for right. Old Notre Dame. Um, yeah. But, oh, my ear. Uh, hold on a second. Let me stop this. Bye, everyone. Thank oh, you. We, we don't click you. leave, Cormley. Don't click. Don't. Leave.